0: You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. All right, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, let's all put our hands face up on our knees, close our eyes. In <clears throat> a gesture, Father, to receive from you today, physically, we're holding our hands out. So would you just pray, would you just pray out loud, Father, I want to receive what you have for me today. Would everybody say that? Lord, if you don't do it, it will not be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 6. We are in the Life on the Mountain series, talking through the greatest sermon ever preached by Jesus. The Sermon on the Mount is about the kingdom of God, kingdom citizens trying to live a kingdom life and what that looks like. Kingdom life meaning life as God meant it to be. And as we look at chapter 5, all that we have seen, Jesus starts with Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness' sake. Blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. You are the salt, you are the light of the world. You could not fulfill the law, Jesus said. I was able to perfectly live and fulfill every dot and cross T of the law. The law was just to let you know you're not able to live the law and the perfection and the holiness God requires. But in Christ, you can. And then he closes out a section, chapter 5, verse 20. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And the rest, for the most part, the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, comes under this subtitle of what is righteousness that exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees and the scribes. And it's there that Jesus begins to break out after that the unrighteous teaching of the Pharisees and the scribes, as it relates to anger and lust and divorce and oaths and retaliation and loving your enemies. And now we come to chapter 6 where Jesus is completed talking about the unrighteous teaching of the Pharisees' scribes. And now he moves to unrighteous behavior or activity of those who we would call and who Jesus calls here hypocrites. Basically coming to the place where we ask the question, do you want to look righteous or do you want to actually be righteous. And this is the crux of the rest of this sermon on the Mount. And as we focus on chapter six today, we're going to see three expressions of worship. They're not worship, they're expressions of worship in giving to the poor, prayer, and fasting. So let's begin reading in verse one of chapter six. Beware, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, and if we could all read the Lord's Prayer together, would you join me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces. That their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Amen. Jesus begins each one of these sections between. Giving to the poor, praying and fasting with an assumption. He begins in verse 5 by saying, hey, when you give to the poor and the needy. In verse 5, when you pray. In verse 16, when you fast. Jesus is entering this, not commanding kingdom citizens or followers of him to do these things. There's an assumption that followers of Jesus are consistently, regularly embracing these disciplines of giving to the poor, of praying and fasting. They're a part of the kingdom life. However, Jesus is challenging, not the action, but he's challenging the motive Or the attitude or the heart behind the action. Jesus says you can do these things and they not be righteous or effective or edifying. So before I jump into these three, I want to give a quick sermon about five minutes on worship and what worship actually is. And I hope it all comes together In just a minute if you don't understand worship we cannot understand the kingdom life or the kingdom mission or the three aspects of what Jesus is talking about here so what is worship worship has always been and will always be the ultimate purpose of God in the world we must have a love for Christ and a passion for his glory glorify the name that is above every name We do everything for the sake of the name. But when I say worship, I do not mean worship services. I do not mean worship singing. Those are parts of forms or expression of worship. But those things can happen like any form that Jesus is talking about here and still not be actual worship. Jesus said in John chapter 4 when he's having a conversation with a Samaritan woman And the conversation goes away from her lifestyle to forms of worship. And she said, us Samaritans worship on this mountain. And you Jews worship on that mountain. And Jesus said, a time is coming, it has already come, where it's not about where you worship. But the Father is looking for worshipers who will worship in spirit and in truth. It's no longer an Old Testament form of worship where we go to a temple, you are the temple. You no longer go to a place that houses in it the Holy of Holies where the presence of God resides. You are the Holy of Holies where the presence of Christ resides. It's not about form. It's about something inner. It's about something deeper. John Piper says, worship is not first an outward act. It is an inner spiritual treasuring of the character and the ways of God in Jesus Christ. It is a cherishing of Christ, a being satisfied with all that God is for us in Christ. To treasure God, to treasure Jesus. Above all other treasures of this world, the glorification and the magnification of the one true God whose name is Jesus. And I'm going to say it again so you have an opportunity to go, yes! It is to treasure God and to treasure Jesus above all other treasures this world has to offer or that death could take away. The glorification and the magnification of the one true God whose name is Jesus. And when these things are missing, when the treasuring of Christ above all other treasures is missing, there is not worship no matter what expression you are displaying. I hear people say all the time, I love the worship and I love the teaching at Foothills Church. And in my soul, I cringe and scream, no, you cannot separate worship and the teaching of God's word. It is the treasuring of Christ in the study of his word that is worship. My fear is we have reduced worship to singing songs rather than treasuring Christ above all other treasures. When I give to the poor, giving is worship. As we generously give our offerings to the one true God and treasuring Jesus above all other treasures on the earth. When I pray, when I pray, I magnify him as the one true God, knowing that I am limited and he is limitless. He knows I do not know. He has the answers. I don't have the answers. You are God and I am not. You are my strength. You are worthy. You are holy. I am dependent upon you. I worship. In prayer, when I fast, I treasure you, Father, more than any treasure on this earth. I treasure you more than I treasure food. I treasure, and I'm satisfied in Jesus more than I'm satisfied with my belly being full. That is worship. Treasuring Jesus more than any other treasure on this earth. Being satisfied in Jesus more than anything else. And out of this inner, spiritual, cherishing, of Jesus Christ, our Master, I have expressions of, of, of this inner cherishing that flow out of me and out of that spiritual inner treasuring of Christ. I sing, I give, I pray, I fast, I meditate on His Word day and night. Not for my sake not for your sake not so people can see it and praise me but for his sake he alone is worthy my inner treasuring of the character and the ways of jesus christ just cannot be contained and stay residing inside of me i must sing i must praise i must study i must meditate i must give i must pray i must fast as expressions Of the inner treasuring of Christ the worship the glorification the magnification of his name that is my life you see worship is the ultimate purpose of God in the universe it's the ultimate purpose to bring glory to his name to glorify the only name missions and ministry they're not the ultimate goal of the church worship is the ultimate goal of the church Missions and ministry only exist because worship does not. You see, there are people here today who are not treasuring Jesus Christ above all other treasures on this earth. There are people here today that are not magnifying and glorifying his name as the passion of their soul. There are peoples and nations and tongues and tribes around the world who are not worshiping and glorifying the one true God Many right now are worshiping and praying and giving and fasting to a God that does not hear them and ultimately a God that does not exist. It's because of that that we have mission. It's because of that that we have ministry to make his name known among the nations Jesus said, make disciples of all nations. Jesus said, after he cleansed out the temple in Mark 11, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. In Psalm 67, he says, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Third John, verse 7, John says, it was for the sake of the name that we were sent out. Paul says in Romans 1, 5, through him we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. Psalm 47, 6 through 7, sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises to our king, sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing to him a psalm of praise, Psalm 67. 96 verse 3, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. God is worthy to be praised among all the nations. He alone is worthy to be praised. Glory to his name and the supreme aim of salvation and the goal of missions is this, the global glory of God. Our mission is driven by a passion for the supremacy of God's name to be known and glorified among the nations and a compassion for people who are perishing and who are far from God. And so our kingdom purpose, as we learn the kingdom sermon here, our kingdom purpose is to treasure The ways and the character of the king and bring glory to his great name, treasuring him above every other treasure. And our mission is to make his name known among the nations to those who are not yet worshiping him. Our purpose is to know God, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, his son, whom he has sent. And to embrace his mission, to know him, to embrace his mission. And if your heartbeat is not beating in those two realms, then we're going to struggle as we move into external forms of worship. So Jesus goes to prayer. Verse five, when you pray. Part of the. Consistent discipline of a follower of Christ, a kingdom citizen living out the kingdom life. Prayer is communication with God for the purpose of knowing God, who deserves my glory, and aligning myself with his mission. This is prayer to know the Father and to align myself with his mission. Know the Father. Align myself with his mission. I want to know him and I want to embrace the mission. Knowing this and to that end, we must embrace one truth that is foundational for all followers of Christ. And that is this. Life is war. If you haven't embraced this reality yet, worship, knowing him, mission, prayer, fasting, giving to the, to, to, to the kingdom. These things will be missed. Life is war. Our weakness in prayer is our lack of embracing this truth. John Piper says we cannot know what prayer is for until we know that life is war. God has given us prayer because Jesus has given us a mission. Prayer is primarily a wartime walkie-talkie for the mission of the church as it advances against the powers of darkness and unbelief. Prayer loses its power when we turn it into a domestic intercom, calling upstairs for more comforts in the living room. Life is war. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul writes, We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, authorities, and rulers in dark places. Peter says in 1 Peter, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, Satan blinds the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel. We war against our flesh. We war against the old nature. We war against the the principles and, 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 and lifestyles of this world that are warring against our great God, the devil and evil powers, disease, death, pain, suffering. Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I have fought the good fight. Paul understood that life is war and it may be other things, and it is, but it certainly is this. Most people, even those who claim to be followers of Christ, do not believe this in their heart. They live a comfortable version of the American dream in the hopes of continuing that, living in a peacetime mentality. Missing the war that is raging around them. Prayer is a wartime walkie talkie for the accomplishment of Christ's mission, which is to be to make him known among the nations. If we turn it into a civilian intercom to increase our conveniences, it stops working and our faith falters. Perhaps we have domesticated prayer for something it is not designed to do. The enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy you. He wants to take you out. He wants to take your children out. He wants to take your family out. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to distract you. He wants to keep you occupied and busy in a peacetime perspective and reality. But until we feel this desperation and our utter powerlessness and need for God's power, we will not pray as we ought. Arthur Pink says, most Christians expect little from God, ask little, therefore receive little and are content with little to our shame. So prayer, when you pray, Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this, our father who is in heaven. Holy, majestic, how excellent is your name. We praise you, Father, for you alone are worthy to be praised. We praise, we worship, we want to know you. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mission to know you, embrace your mission, bringing about your kingdom to earth. We pray in the midst of that kingdom, Lord, align me to your mission. Give me my marching orders. Who is around me that does not know Christ? Lord, I pray for the three billion people around the world who have never heard the, the name of Jesus, the unreached people groups. Lord, send workers into that field. Lord, let me be the answer to my own prayer. Lord, for the persecuted church, our brothers and sisters who are suffering today, in prison today, who who families lost, dads and moms and sisters and brothers this week because of the name that they were worshiping. Oh, let us not forget them. Let us not miss their sacrifice by living a peace time perspective that misses the mission. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We need to know your plans. We praise you. We want to know your plans. Give us this day our daily bread provisions. Lord, just daily bread. Don't give me too much because if you do, I can become arrogant and I can pretend like I don't need you. visions, for my family, for those who are hurting, for those who don't know Christ. And Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for making life about me. Forgive me for my self-ism. Forgive me for worshiping me. Forgive me for wanting to make my name known, to make my comforts known, to bring my desires and passions to the forefront rather than you and your name and your glory. As I forgive those who are my debtors pardon praise plans provision parted and then here's the war again and lead us not into temptation protect me but deliver us from evil pray like this when you pray And then he moves to fasting. Fasting. Abstinence from physical food for spiritual purposes. I know we don't need to talk about fasting. It's so common and regular and a consistent discipline in the life of believers in America that we rarely need to talk about it. It's just so normal. That's good. That's sarcasm. Yeah, it's good. It's <laughs> good. <clears throat> we are addicted to food. We see that Jesus is bringing something that brings us physical life, not just a want, but a need to survive physically. And Jesus is saying the kingdom citizen, the, the Jesus follower, will lay down Even something that brings physical life, the need for physical life, we will lay that down for something greater, spiritual sustenance. Fasting is as basic as following Jesus. Fasting is basic as giving to the poor, as praying and fasting. Jesus makes no determination when you fast, when you pray, when you give. Assumptions, but prayer, fasting, they do something dear. Those who want to know the king and embrace the mission will fast. Fast from God or fast from food but feast upon God. Fast from food but feast upon God's word. I hear people all the time say I read the Bible and I don't understand it. Have you fasted begging God more than you want food in your belly? You want to know the word of God. Your marriage is struggling. You don't know what to do fast. Beg God that you want your marriage to be healed more than you want your stomach satisfied. More than we want our hunger to cease, we want your kingdom to come, Father. More than our stomachs long to be full, our souls long to see Christ. More than I want to taste food, I want to taste and see that you are good you are good, a denying of an earthly passion and a desire for a spiritual one, denying of self to gain something greater than I could gain in any other manner. Why? Why fast? Several reasons to know Jesus more deeply. I want to know you more than I want my stomach to be filled. To gain victory over a particular sin in your life that you're not having victory over or something that is controlling you. Paul said, I'll not let anything master me fast. You see an increased discipline in one area of your life seems to give you an increased discipline in other areas of your life. You may struggle with this fast from food. See if God doesn't give you victory here. Fast for guidance. I don't know your will in this, Father. I don't know what you want from me. I don't know what you're saying to me. I need your guidance. I need your wisdom. Fast from Satan's grip may have A hold on you somewhere, or a friend, or a family member, or something. I'm going to fast. I want. I want them to be free, Father, more than I want my belly to be full. I want. I want their freedom in the name of Jesus. And to worship. To worship. I want you more than I want your blessings. I want you. I love that song we just sang. I want you more than I want your blessings. Once again, am I treasuring Jesus more than anything this earth has to offer, even food? In the appropriate expressions of prayer and fasting, you see I'm in an all-out pursuit of Jesus and his mission all out pursuit. It's the one thing we can't give to each other. We we can teach, we can we can talk, we can read, we can we can minister, we can mission. We can do a lot of things, but, but, but no one can give you the pursuit, the desire to pursue Jesus above every other treasure. And then to embrace his mission to glorify him and make him known to the nations. It's not about gaining personal comfort, safety, or material blessings. It's about absolutely the opposite of that it's about a willingness to engage the war and leave behind my comforts and leave behind safety and align myself to god and his mission in the world so many people like these hypocrites jesus is talking about they want the blessings they want the benefits they want the affirmation they want the acceptance They want to look righteous, but they don't want to be disciplined enough to be righteous. We come in and we sing and we raise our hands, pray, think about what's for lunch. When the almighty creator of the universe is calling us to something deeper, something more, to know him And to embrace his mission. And we can sing and we can pray and we can fast and we can give, Jesus says. And it looks like we know what we're doing, but we don't. It's empty, it's hollow, it's hypocritical. We have wrong motives, we have wrong attitude, we have wrong hearts. So many people want the blessings of God, but they do not want God. So many people begging Jesus to bless them, but they don't want Jesus. Like these hypocrites and the health and wealth and prosperity teachers of our day, they want the blessings of God. They do not want God. For the last 10 to 15 years, I have been a father of of older teenagers or college students on my last college student right now. And in that time, I realized something. Many of the conversations that I had with my older teenagers and college students seemed to revolve about them asking or telling me what they need. Rarely did I get a lot of phone calls saying, Dad, I'm just calling to see how you're doing. Checking on you. Do you need anything, Dad? How can I pray for you, Dad? Or just calling to say, I want to thank you. Now, fortunately, as they get older and come through that, those times happen, and they are joyous. Shout out to my son, who's 24 today. It's great when the, that pendulum swings, but not then. wasn't happening much then. And one day, in a meditative, contemplative moment, as I have many of, and Thinking about this as I hung up the phone from one of my new college Children I had a little pity party And I said father it just seems like They don't really want to be with me They just want to be connected to my resources They don't seem to really want to know me, Father. They just want my blessings. And in that moment, I heard the Holy Spirit come upon me and simply say, What about you, Todd? Do you want me or do you want my blessings? And I don't know how many times you've had those moments in your spiritual life where like the weight of the spirit just crushes you. And like, Lord, I really wanted to blame and talk about other people. And he does that thing where he turns it back on me. What about you, Todd? When you pray for things, do you want your will to be done or do you want my will to be done? When you pray for things, is your faithfulness hinging on whether I answer it the way you want it to be answered? Or are you faithful no matter how I answer? Can you say with Paul that I fully expect and hope that now, as always, I will have full courage to make Christ known, whether in my body, whether by life or by death. What about you? Do you want God's blessings or do you want God? Do you want to treasure Jesus or do you want to treasure? You see, when we pursue Him and make Him the, the cherishing and inner worshiping and the desperate desire to know Him and His mission, we will pray and it will honor Him. We will give and it will honor Him. And we will fast because we need Him to know Him and His mission more deeply. There are blessings. There are blessings. They're not what we always hope or want or are told they will be. But Jesus tells us exactly what these blessings are back in the Beatitudes. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. You will be comforted. You'll inherit the earth. You'll be satisfied. You shall receive mercy. You will see God. You will be called sons and daughters of God. When you're persecuted, I'm not going to remove the persecution, but yours is the kingdom of heaven, and great is your reward in heaven as you rejoice in the persecution. Oh, there are blessings. There are great blessings. But they come as we pursue knowing him and embrace his kingdom. Are you pursuing him like that? As you look at your prayers, what are your prayers about? Are they a pursuit of knowing him and making his name known to the nations and your neighbors? Have you found him worth giving everything for? Or do you even know him? Have you engaged his mission? Are you in a wartime frame of mind? Or have you given yourself over to just walking through with no intentionality? Casual living. Making small things big things. You see, life on the mountain, the kingdom life, it's about something more. Or what about your expressive, external forms of worship, like praying, fasting, giving, singing? Do you focus more on one? Is there one more dominant, or are you balanced? And I sing, and I pray, and I give to the poor, and I fast. They're they're pretty balanced. Or is there one of those that you're like, man, I, I do this one, but I'm missing something. By ignoring and not exploring what Jesus is talking about here. Let's bow our heads. And Father, we praise you. We praise you. We praise you. You alone are worthy of our praise. There is no name worth glorifying other than your name your name and Lord I want to know you I want to know you more fully I want to know you more deeply more intimately I want to fast and I want to pray to know you and your mission I want you more than I want blessings. And I just want to encourage you this week. I wrote a a seven-day prayer and fasting devotional. And you can go on the app or the website. and It will get more specific on what fasting is and prayer is. But Lord, help us to embrace something more. To want you more than we want food. We want to align ourselves with your mission more than we want our bellies full for our marriage for our kids for the persecuted around the world for the unreached around the world oh God make your name great and Lord let me be the answer to my own prayer burn in us through your spirit a desire draw us to something deeper Increase our desire to pursue and our passion to pursue you and your mission above all other things on this earth. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.